Hey y'all, this is Anna. Welcome to Feminine Fidelity. I am so sorry for all of my starts and stops on this. Um, I promise I'm going to try to do better and get more um, consistent on getting things out. Um, just an update, uh, last year I spent most of the year ill and uh, with and my thyroid was so messed up that uh, it caused my liver enzymes to go up. They put me in the hospital. They thought I had cancer. And I could barely speak because it messed up my voice so much. And that went on for months. I, I was hoarse, sounded like a, like a frog croaking. <laughs> and my voice still isn't where it ought to be, but um, I'm doing better. Um, but we moved at the beginning of uh, February uh, from Montgomery, Alabama to Kentucky. And in just a few days, we all came down with flu. And then mine, because I have weak lungs and asthma and um, I've had pneumonia like dozens of times in my life, literally, um, it went into bronchitis. Um, and I have been so sick and I'm still um, congested and not feeling my best And uh, but I'm trying to start to get back into everything I've had to rest a lot forced rest because I don't like doing that but um, I would appreciate your prayers as I continue to try to get over bronchitis and that it doesn't go into anything further so uh, to get right back into what we're here for Let's talk about compromise, sisters. Um, to compromise on God's word means that we want to put our spin on what he says, or we want to please someone else, or that we're viewing it through a cultural lens, or a personal lens, or a, a uh, um denominational lens or or something else or our favorite preacher or our favorite um writer or podcaster or, or whatever it is that has caused us to look at something other than God's word as the way we interpret God's word um there is a difference in saying we meet on the most important doctrinal issues, but there are areas for um, figuring out uh, the gray areas. Um, for instance, on head coverings, the Bible tells us to cover. It doesn't tell us how or what to wear. So we can cover every single strand of our hair or we can cover the top of our head. We can wear hats. We can wear scarves. We can wear um, a bandana. Uh, we can do all kinds of things. We can buy um, a pretty uh, traditional head covering. There's, there's all kinds of ways we can do it and still be honoring to the Lord. The Bible tells us to be modest um, and it gives us some pretty straightforward directives as in uh, nakedness in scripture is described as uh, the thigh being uncovered. So 
you know, that is an important thing that so many in the church today overlook. Um, but it doesn't tell us exactly the style to wear. We don't have to be looking like Little House on the Prairie. We don't have to copy the Amish or the Mennonites or anything like that in order to be modest. We can still be pretty. We can still be stylish if that's important to us. Or we can wear our own style, whatever, as long as we are doing it to honor the Lord. And we're not doing it to draw attention to ourselves or to... Um, just because it makes us happy. Um, the important thing is that when we're striving to obey God, we, we do it in a way that honors the Lord. But the world does not honor us when we compromise on God's Word. You know, so often we think that, well, we have to change this in order to not be targeted. If you're a Christian, you're going to be targeted anyway. Excuse me, please. Um, when we step over the line drawn by God's word, we betray God. When we sin or sinfully compromise with the world, um, we are betraying God. We are committing cosmic treason. I, I'm trying to remember. I think it might have been, was it Washer or Sproul that said that? I don't remember, but... Uh, we are committing cosmic treason when we sin against God. And so when we compromise with a set of beliefs that are not biblical, that cannot be gotten from a historical, theological, straightforward reading of God's word, but as a compromise with something outside of God's word, be it a person or a belief or a... Um, church, we are in sin. Uh, the world does not applaud us for failing to obey God. The world does not applaud us for acting like everyone around us. Um, we might think they do, but they think that we're fools. They think that we're falling into their traps. They are looking at us and laughing and secretly applauding the fact that we are gullible enough to be so foolish to betray that that we claim to believe in. We are supposed to be salt and light, sisters, and so often we're not. You know, salt purifies, um, salt preserves, and light dispels darkness. And that's what the world needs from us. That's what our church needs from us. That's what our families need from us, is for us to be women according to God's standard, not according to our own, and without any desire to compromise or fit in culturally. Um, far too often, that's where we end up finding ourselves. It's, it's where so many who have gone before us found themselves. They, they got pushed on some subject. You know, why do you have cover? Um, back in the 60s, there was a big move away from that. <coughs> and um, our mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, whoever, you know, during those periods, um, le either leading up to that or after, stopped covering. And um, maybe didn't even know why. And uh, 
but there was a big push against it, so they just went with the flow. That is compromise. There was a big push in the 60s towards sexual infidelity uh, and uh, towards sexual revolution, so-called. And, um, you know, the whole so-called dating scene changed and um, it became more acceptable to do things on dates um, or to go out and dance provocatively in public, uh, to wear clothes that were more sexually enticing. That had never been the case um, except for a few times uh, back in the 1920s. There was a push towards that um, with the Roaring Twenties and, and the Gay Nineties, 1890s. There was a push towards those things, but each time they were quickly uh, righted. Um, but not so in the in the sixties. Not so. They continued to compromise and it continued to crumble until we find ourselves where we are today. And so much of it is that the church simply did not um, stand up and do what they needed to do. They they did not um, adhere or to the belief, the standard of God's holy word, sola scriptura, scripture alone, as their foundational teaching. And so they uh, they ended up um, sorry, distracted by my doggy there. Uh, they did not um, continue on the path, and sisters, that's what you and I have to do. We have to go back and rediscover what God has said about women. And it's far more glorious than we've been led to believe. Uh, the world tries to tell us, even the church tries to tell us, that you know, women ought to have all these options, and that women ought to be able to do whatever fulfills them. And Well, the Bible tells us that we're fulfilled by doing that which God has called us to do. That God is honored when we fulfill the duties he has given us to do, to be a, a homemaker, a wife, and a mother. And I wish you could see what I saw growing up. I got in, I was born in 1964, so I was born um, in the midst of all of that. But I got to see the last vestiges of what was. I grew up in an area where it was women still for the most part, stayed at home. They still, for the most part, were wives and mothers and homemakers. They still cooked. When we had potlucks, and we had them often, um, I don't ever remember women bringing um, something from a deli or a store or a fast food place to the meal, ever, not once. Women cooked. They made cakes and pies and and candies and cookies, and they made casseroles and soups and meats and vegetables. And it was it was wonderful because these women showcased their talents. And, and by doing so, it wasn't about them. It was, I want to serve my, uh, my church family. I want to bring you my best. And uh, they, they served these foods, you know, um, and shared them with everyone. <coughs> And this potluck, it was all good, nutritious food. It was real food. 
And today, that's, that's hardly even the case. Um, very few churches actually have real potlucks anymore, or at least from my experience. Um, when there is a potluck, generally the church pays someone to either cook it, um, and you bring a few sides, maybe, um, or they uh, cater it, or something like that. Um, we no longer have the women who go, okay, I'm going to make my pot of chili, or I'm going to make my homemade soup, or I'm going to make bread, or biscuits, or cornbread, or I'm going to make my casserole, or I'm going to make my homemade caramel cake. But they did that. They did that for potlucks. They did that when someone was sick. They would go into the kitchen, and they would cook, and they would serve this family that was ill. Just, someone was in the hospital. She just had a baby. They cooked for them. Uh, when someone uh, was older and in need, they cooked for them. When someone died, oh my goodness, the the spread when when people would die back then, you know, you would go home and you would cook for this poor family. And you would take food and there would be so much food, it would be everywhere. And when someone came to the family to visit, they were expected to eat because there was far more food than the family could eat. But even once everybody had eaten and people were coming in day and night, night and day, until the person was buried. And once all of that was over, the family still had food galore that they could put in their freezer and into the refrigerator and eat on for the next week, two weeks or more. They were taken care of by the body of Christ. And women did this through cooking. And other women would go in and they would clean for these ladies. They would clean for this, these families. You know, if someone had died, they would go wash their dishes, wash their clothes, or clean up their house. They would uh, do this for women who were in the hospital. They would do it for um, women who, um, you know, had several babies at home, you know, toddlers. You know, let me help you. Let me come in and help. They would do this. And... Uh, <coughs> if you needed to know how to do something, somebody was there to teach you. You need to sew better, I'll teach you. You need to know how to crochet or cook or how to can, let me teach you. They willingly shared their knowledge. And this was such a beautiful thing. Now, I was a child and a teenager during this period, but I observed it all. And it just stuck with me so much because it was such a glaring difference later on when women were no longer willing to do any of that or very little of it because, well, I'm tired, I'm working all day, five days a week or, or four days a week or six days a week. I'm working all the time, you know, and let me bring you a boxed cake that I whipped up or a cake from Winn-Dixie or from Kroger's or wherever. Um, pick you up some uh, KFC, you know, and while the uh, offering is still appreciated, it is not the same because it is from the absence of time and energy, not from this is my service to you. And women served their families. This was an overflow of how women served their families. They, When their husbands came home, 
from a hard day work at hard day's work they they put food on the table they had a hot dinner waiting so this husband didn't come in to a messed up house with nobody home and trying to figure out his own dinner or them getting home at the same time and okay so we're too tired let's get takeout they were served by their wives and the children the children you know that when they came home from school and now my my children were homeschooled and you know I'm an advocate for that but I'm also you know um, I'm just against public schools in general because of the issues they have today but uh, back then most people went I went to public school except for one year and um, <coughs> um, the women, their moms and these grandmothers and these aunts, you know, when the child would come home from school, this child was greeted with a healthy snack, a, a homemade snack, um, a homemade dinner. They filled their tummies with food that had value. They weren't given Pop-Tarts to get off in the morning. They weren't given cereal to get off in the morning. They were given a full breakfast or something that was uh, generally healthy, a bowl of oatmeal. My mother, my mother, bless her little heart, uh, every morning she'd make some kind of eggs, some kind of hot cereal, some kind of toast or bread, and usually fruit juice of some sort and some kind of, maybe some kind of fruit and some kind of meat. It was just the two of us, but she, she fed me. Uh, something that kept me full and gave me energy. Um, she, uh, I'm not saying that's the only way to do breakfast. That's not how I fed my children. I don't didn't cook that much every morning. Of course, I had nine children. But uh, generally, I would make something that was healthy. Occasionally, they would get something else. But it was, in general, that was a treat. That was something... For a birthday or something, I, I like to cook for my family. And um, I think that it's important for women to get back to this idea that my serving you is a good thing. I mean, your husband serves you, ladies, by going out and working all day at a job he may not like, at a job that's hard, at a job where he's being assaulted for his faith. A job that he has to possibly deal with unpleasant um, co-workers or a boss that's difficult. But he's doing it. Why? Because it's his service to you. And it's his obedience to God. God called men to provide. To be the protectors and the providers and the defenders. And they're going out and they're still doing that. But the women have dropped the ball. And yes, you can say the men dropped the ball too because they no longer... Um, stand for what's right in that. They, don't. And I agree. I agree. The church needs to stand up and the pastors, we need more pastors preaching about it and all, but that's not my duty to tell them. That's not my duty to talk to the men. I can tell you what the Bible says in association with, you know, your duties. But let's focus on us. So many women look at men who have gone out and they've worked all day and then they expect the men to come home and um, take care of the child, cook the dinner, uh, clean the house, do
do the shopping, do everything. <coughs> Excuse me. And if we have a, a biblically divided um, division of labor where the women focus in on the home and the family and, and serving others, and the men focus in on being the provider and serving the church in male capacities, we're much better off. And everybody's a lot happier. I mean, who doesn't appreciate a healthy meal, a home-cooked, home very delicious meal? Everybody does, but it seems like almost nobody wants to do it. And ladies, that's your job. Your job is to, to serve this, this sweet family that the Lord has blessed you with. And it's your job to want to um, take care of this husband and take care of your child and take care of your home. And if you do it in a way that's seeking to honor God, you're going to be so much happier than going out there in the rat race and competing with other women and other men and taking jobs away from men so that fewer and fewer men can actually provide for their wives and children. It's... It's such a morass. It's a spiritual morass we find ourselves in where we buy into the lies that have been fed to us for so many decades now. It's time for us to, to dig into what was, biblically what was, what was taught and why it was taught and get back to that and stop compromising. We need to Fulfill the roles, the duties that the Lord gave us. Care for your husband's clothes, your children's clothes. Care for this home God has given you through the labor of your husband. Support him in his mission. Help him to provide for you by giving him a place that he longs to come to in the evening. You know, not play where you're arguing with him and not where you're pushing him to do more and not where you're saying, well, it's all about me. And I know most of you ladies, you're so sweet for that. You're not like that, but a lot of women are. A lot of women today, it is all about them. And we can't be like that, sweetheart. We can't be like that. We have to be like... How can I honor you, God, by honoring my husband? How can I honor you by taking care of my husband, taking care of my child, my children, my home, my parents? You have a duty to your parents to be a godly, loving daughter to them and to your in-laws, to be a godly, loving daughter to them, to care for them. And if they're not Christians, if they're not treating you right, and I understand that, I was in that, position, you still have the obligation to do what's right in God's sight and to seek to be that godly loving daughter-in-law or godly loving daughter. Their sin against you does not change your obligation to obey God and do what he has said. And let me just throw this out. Your husband's sin against you doesn't change your duty to God and to Him. And, you know, if any of you know my story, my husband was abusive and he was unfaithful. But that didn't change the fact that I had to be a wife 
who honored God through my duties and obligations, and I did my best. This doesn't mean let him walk all over you and hurt you. If you are being, you know, if you're in trouble and you need help, you get help. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying you should. Okay? You should get help if you need help. But far too many women these days want to label everything as abuse. And it isn't. Okay? So that's all I want to say about that now. I have more information on stuff like that in other podcasts and in uh, on my blog, Feminist Sola Gradia. <coughs> my voice is giving out. I'm sorry. Sisters, we have to believe Scripture. We have to believe it for what it says, not for what you want it to say. Um, are not believing the Word of God got us to where we are today. It caused us, caused generation after generation to compromise on God's Word. What did God really say? He created the world in six days, in six literal 24-hour days, and that the world is young? You know what? He did. And He really did say that there was a universal flood. Not believing that caused so many people to compromise on Scripture. Because if you're going to compromise there, you're not going to stop. So many people compromised with what's known as higher criticism, which said that the Bible, it was a out of the school of Frankfurt thought, you know, the, the whole idea that the Bible must be interpreted like any other so-called work of literature. The Bible isn't any other so-called work of literature. It's literally the Word of God. And you cannot, um, you cannot view it or interpret it like you would any other book. It stands alone because it is alone. It is God's Word. And it has to be interpreted as such. And it has to be believed. And our compromising on that got us to where we are today. Our compromise with the women's movement, with feminism, and so on, got us to where we are today, led us to this, the sexual revolution. It led us to um, all the evils we see in the world today. And it's going to get worse unless we stand up, ladies, and we, you and me, and our sisters start fulfilling our duties to God. And to be women who fulfill women's duties that God gave us as women. And to honor our husbands, to submit to our husbands, to obey our husbands, and to follow his vision. Don't tell him. Follow yours. One thing I see a lot of old, uh, younger women, and I'm talking 30s, 40s down, who are out there still looking for a mate. I have seen this again and again, um, and women my son has talked to uh, on dating sites, and I know multiple other men who have talked to women on these dating sites, and most of the women want the men to follow them. You moved where I am. I am, I want to invest in my career. I want to be where I live, where everything's familiar to me. They can't find a man where they are, so they go on these dating sites. But then they expect the men to drop everything and come move for them. And they forget that 
It is the man's mission that we are to follow. And it can be uncomfortable to uproot and move to another area of the country. It can. I, know, I mean, we just did that, but not for my husband, because I live with my son now. But I did it for him. My daughter did it for him, because we, we both live with him. And it's not the same thing at all. I'm not equating it, but I'm just saying I understand. And I did it with my husband. I did it again and again. He moved us from Montgomery to Atlanta, and he moved us from there to various other places in Georgia and then back to Alabama. <coughs> yes, he followed jobs. And we did it every time. We uprooted and followed him because he was the head of the family. And... You know, if I had married him and he had said, well, my job has taken me to, to another state, I would have followed him. Um, when I married him, he, we settled down in the same city we were in, but my job was to follow him. And that's what women today need to understand. Your job is to follow him. It's not to find a man who's willing to upload, I mean, uproot his whole existence for you and relocate. You follow him. Um, we must believe what God's Word says about this, sisters. We must believe what God's Word says about submission, about obeying our husband, about our lives being, you know, around Him. Him being the head, not us. We have to believe that children are a blessing. We have to believe and obey that God says that we're to be keepers of the home. This is so important and it's something we so often overlook. We've sinned, sisters. We've sinned because we didn't love God and His Word enough. We weren't told how to interpret it correctly very often uh, because of all the compromises that went before us. And not a lot of us have looked into it. It took me a good while to look into things. And to start seeing that what I was told and what the Bible said is two completely different things. And what you're told, what you grew up with, doctrinally, isn't important. What God's Word says is. So too often, we don't want to be embarrassed by being different than the world around us. Or we don't want to be embarrassed in our families by changing what we believe and so we continue to compromise. We don't want our families to get mad at us because we don't stand for what we were raised on. But we've, you know, but if we see that compromise that they made, we have an obligation to God to change it. And a lot of us don't want to do that because we, we fear man more than we fear God. And the Bible tells us to fear God. And we don't want to be embarrassed with our parents or make them unhappy with us or anything. And oh, you should honor your parents, yes. But if your parents have taught you something that is a compromise, you have an obligation to God first. And uh, the world needs women that will honor the Lord. The world needs women that will show the world how to live. And you do that. When you take dominion in your home, sisters, washing dishes and preparing meals 
and changing diapers and birthing babies and supporting your husband and submitting to him, that is the greater work. That is taking dominion. That is being a godly woman. If you're doing this for the glory of the Lord, you are pleasing to the Lord. Our place as women, the place that God appointed us to, makes a difference in the world when we live in obedience to God. Because they look at us and they see that what we believe, the way we dress, the way we act, how we live our lives, the meals we prepare, the home we make, is different than what they're doing. The difference starts in our homes, but it stretches and impacts and ultimately changes things. If you want to take dominion, it starts in your home. This is the way, sisters. Let us pursue it. I love y'all. I'm praying for y'all. I hope this was a blessing to y'all. Um, you can support me through Patreon or through uh, this um, podcast. There's a, a button where you can you know, donate a one-time or a monthly sum. It can be just a few dollars. It makes a difference. It really does. Um, I appreciate y'all so much, and I I am so very aware of the um, the weight of being a Titus II older woman. I never had one in my life, and that's what I'm striving to be, is for my children and for my um, those women that I reach through this or my writing. I want to be a Titus II woman who calls us back to God and calls us back to being the kind of women God um, told us to be, even if it makes everyone around us uncomfortable and makes us uncomfortable. We must do what we do for God's glory and not for our own. So that's what I'm trying to do. And if you can support me, thank you. It would be such a blessing to us. But um, please pray for us. Please pray I'll get better. <laughs> and... Um, Pray for my son Tristan as he pursues his pastoral studies and pray for God to provide him a wife who wants to pursue that in Kentucky. Um, y'all take care. I love y'all. I'm praying for y'all. And uh, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions for a future podcast or a blog post or for something for me to cover in my group, our, our page, Femina Sola Gradia, on Facebook, or my blog, Femina Sola Gradia, um, or on here, uh, Feminine Fidelity. Please let me know. And uh, I'll talk to y'all later. Okay. Love y'all. Bye bye.